Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So way back in 2001, Audrey and I had a wonderful experience with abundance. Even though on the surface it didn't seem that way at first. We were both students. I was in my first year at Luther Seminary and Audrey was graduating from Concordia University. And our families wanted to be there to celebrate. Audrey and I had been nomads for those first few years of married life, and we were going to be nomads for a few more years, not living any place for more than a year, and many times just living places for a few months. But our little apartment in St. Paul was home for the moment, and we wanted to welcome our families and celebrate Audrey's graduation. But our apartment was really small. The kitchen was so tiny that when you open the oven or refrigerator doors, they hit the cabinets on the other side of the kitchen. And the living room was only about 10 feet one way and 15 feet the other. How, how are we going to fit 22 people in there? And how are we going to cook for them all weekend? But we borrowed some folding chairs from our friends and made it work. Or at least we tried to. The night before graduation, I grabbed the frozen turkey breast to put it in the crock pot so it would be ready for lunch the next day. And it didn't, it didn't quite fit, but it was really close. So I just kind of pushed it into the crock pot, uh, you know, to persuade it a little bit. And then suddenly, pop, the crock pot broke into three pieces. Uh, sweetie? I said, um, I think we have a problem. And before we knew it, we found ourselves at a 24-hour Walmart at 11.30 at night buying a new crock pot. What, what were we thinking? Who were we to think we could host such a weekend? A Cracker jack size apartment, no experience hosting a group of 10, much less 22, but we did it anyway. All weekend long, we hosted anyway. And it was one of the most memorable parties, most memorable weekends I've ever been a part of. A chance to celebrate Audrey's accomplishment of graduating college in four years despite attending three different schools in three different states. A chance to host our whole family, including Audrey's dad and her grandparents, all of whom have since died. I'll never forget that weekend and the rich treasure of abundance that was ours, if even for just a fleeting moment, because we were willing to offer our meager gifts, our meager space, to host a simple weekend of food and fellowship. And God transformed it into an amazing experience of abundance. Today, we hear a story from Matthew's Gospel of an unbelievably impossible feast, too. Listen as I read those words from Matthew chapter 14. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him 
on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so they may go into the village and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. What are we going to do, Jesus? I can just hear the panic in the disciples' voices. Before them was a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children. They had gathered when they heard Jesus was around. And Matthew tells us he's been curing their sick all afternoon. Now it was evening and the disciples reasoned that the crowd would be getting hungry. And they didn't want to try to figure out how to feed such a crowd. Jesus, they said, send them away so they can go into town and get their own food. Oh, that's okay, said Jesus. <laughs> they don't need to go away. You feed them. Us? But we don't have any food. Well, we've got five loaves and two fish, but that, that won't feed the crowd. Bring them here, Jesus said. And he blessed the food. He gave it to the disciples. He told them to get to work, passing it out already. And they did. Each of the, the 12 disciples offering food to over 500 men, women, and children. Here, take what you need. And all ate and were filled. No doubt it was a lot of work passing out all that food, then cleaning up after them. No doubt it took a lot of trust on the part of the disciples to give up their own supper and offer it to a hungry crowd, but they did. And all ate and were filled. And not only that, writes Matthew, there was food to spare. And the disciples who began that evening convinced there was nothing to eat found themselves humbled at how God can use willing and generous givers to feed and care for far more than they could have imagined. Even in the wilderness and under conditions that anyone else would describe as scarcity. It's a story that teaches me two very important things. First, it reminds me of the generous nature of God. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is a wonderful story of God's abundance and generosity. But it's not the first time we've seen the extravagant generosity of God in Jesus. It was just a few weeks ago when we heard Jesus compare God with an extravagant farmer who sowed way too much seed in impossible places, right? Most of the seed was wasted 
or so it seemed, falling on the wrong sort of soil. But you know, when you are sowing good seed in bad soil, sometimes you have to overdo it. Or jumping to another gospel, the gospel of John chapter 2, the wine runs out at the wedding party and Jesus turns water into wine and not just a few bottles worth either. By John's estimate, 180 gallons of the best tasting wine they had ever had. 180 gallons. What extravagance. Or the father of the wayward prodigal son in Luke's gospel. In that story, Jesus tells the father didn't just welcome back his son. No, the father welcomed him back with a huge, expensive, extravagant party. Or the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus tells the story of this man who didn't just stop and help the wounded man from the ditch. He took the man to the the hospital and told the doctors, here's all I have, my checkbook, my credit cards, my, my cash, everything, and I'll be back in a week. And if this isn't enough to treat this man's wounds, I'll give you even more. For a man he didn't even know, who wasn't even one of his countrymen. Extravagance, right? In these stories, Jesus tells us what God is like. In this parable today, in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus tells us what God is like, right? This is a one who rejoices when a sinner is found. He celebrates when life is given to those who are dying. He gives an abundance where something far less would do. When God set out to create the world, he could have gotten by with three kinds of flowers, two kinds of birds, a few animals here and there. That would have been good enough. But instead, God makes millions of different flowers, thousands of different birds and animals, and he made dozens of varieties of people. One race, but dozens of varieties of people. A spectrum of skin colors and languages and and sizes and shapes. This God of ours isn't into good enough. He overdoes almost everything, including salvation. When God saw humans rotting in our own filth, when he saw us writhing in the stench of our sin, he could have been simply sympathetic from afar. He could have used his prophets to cry out, hey, hang in there, I'm pulling for you, right? But instead, this extravagant God took on human flesh himself, sinking all the way into the depth of our anguish and pain and bearing that pain himself. In the person of Jesus Christ, God bore human suffering and sin on his own shoulders, in his own life that he might overcome suffering and death and give us eternal life with him at no cost to us. A few years of paradise would have been enough, but he gives us eternity. Come, come and see his extravagance. Come and see his graciousness. Come and see his love. You who are hungry or thirsty or tired or poor, come to this extravagant God and receive the gift of life. There is enough for all, that's, that's just the way God is. This story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 reminds me that this God of ours is never content with good enough. He gives us an abundance of gifts every day. And most of all, he gives us the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. But, but this story 
reminds me of something else too. It reminds me that God calls us to generosity in his name, even in times of scarcity. He says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. And when they finally offered all that they had, five loaves and two fish, he used their generosity to feed the crowd. Each of us has been given incredible gifts, skills, talents, time, treasure, ability, love, and more. And we may think that they are meager and don't amount to much of anything. But God calls us to share what we've been given in the same extravagant way with those around us. God gives extravagantly to his creation, and he often uses us as vehicles for that generosity. We give extravagantly to our families with love and time and energy. We love our spouses in in word and deed. We love our children and grandchildren with all we have, our parents and grandparents too, right? We don't hold back anything in our homes. We give of our time and our treasure and our talents extravagantly. You take care of them, says God. And, And we might be tempted to respond, me? What could I give? I don't even know what I'm doing. All I can do is uh, is change diapers and, and read a few stories and teach my children right from wrong. All I can do is connect with my mom and dad with a conversation or listen to them talk about their aches and pains and, and fears. All, all I can do is... But then God gets a hold of our basic work of service in our families and multiplies it again and again. We give extravagantly in our places of work. We are called to pour ourselves into our work while we're on the job. We work honestly, efficiently, faithfully, not withholding our talents or time or effort, but giving all we have to our employers during the time allotted for such work. But, but God, we protest. My job isn't even all that important. It's boring. I don't even do that much. But then God gets a hold of our daily work and uses it to make the world a more reliable and trustworthy place. We give ourselves to our neighbors, giving help when and where we can. But God, all all I can do is shovel a little snow or or bake a few cookies or say hello once again. All all I can do is wear a mask when I go to the store. that's, That's not much at all. And then we look at a world in need of racial justice and equity. We see a system broken and torn and we say, what could I possibly do to make any sort of difference? All I have is ears to listen. All I have is a heart hungry for change. All I have is this meager voice to speak words of love to my brothers and sisters and to cry out humbly for change. But God multiplies that work too. And in our congregations as well. Could God really make a difference through us and a willingness to limit our attendance at in-person worship gatherings? To be part of a house church, even if it makes you uncomfortable? To embrace a worship life so different than what we've become used to? I've got nothing to offer. It won't make a difference anyway. We say to God. But God calls us to be faithful. 
God calls us to invite, to witness, to give generously of our time and treasure. And God multiplies that effort again and again and uses it to stir up faith in people around our communities and around the globe through our combined efforts as people of faith. The rest of the world panics in the face of scarcity. But not us, dear people of God, dear followers of Christ, not us. That is when we shine. We just give all we have and trust God to multiply it. And he does. When we give all we have, when every moment we live is lived in service to God and his creation, he multiplies that effort to feed and care for his creation. Praise be to God Almighty for his abundant generosity to us through creation, through daily bread, through Jesus Christ. And thanks be to God for that call to live as generous givers ourselves. May he strengthen us each day to give all we have. And may he multiply our efforts for the benefit of all. In Jesus' name, amen.